Amen. Take your Bibles, if you would. Matthew chapter number 14, starting next Wednesday, I will be getting with some of the men of our church, and uh, I want to encourage you uh, because we're going to start having some of you men come up here on Wednesday evenings and, and take some of these prayer requests uh, and pray. And, and so that'll be something that we will be trying to do starting this summer and getting some of you involved. And I want to encourage you, if you don't already have a personal prayer life, to start now. And uh, get serious about spending some time alone with the Lord in prayer. Matthew chapter number 14, if you're holding your place in Matthew chapter number 14, again, we're going to do this uh, throughout the summer. And uh, as we take the, the, the subject matter of not a subject, but a person, and being the, the life of Peter, that is an individual in Scripture that really just stood out. As you go and you study the life of Peter, he stands out not just in the times whenever he was walking on the water, as we'll address again this evening, but you go and you study the life of Peter and you think about the denial of Christ in the life of Peter. You think about when Peter uh, did certain things in the book of Acts and was serving the Lord all throughout. uh, You look at Peter's life and just continuously in each of the stories that you find concerning the life of, of Peter, you say, man... Peter just stands out. There's just something about him. There's just uh, something different about him, if you would. And so holding your place there in Matthew chapter number 14, go with me, if you would, to Proverbs chapter number 3. Proverbs chapter number 3. And we're going to look at this again this evening. And as we think about this idea, this subject of wanting more, that is something we see illustrated in Matthew chapter number 14. But again, we go back to this and help ourselves to understand as you look in, in Proverbs chapter number 3. And in Proverbs chapter number 3, uh, a very familiar portion of Scripture as you look at that, these verses here. Verses 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Again, in verse number 5, it says, Trust in the Lord. In verse number 6, it starts out and says, In all thy ways acknowledge him. I believe one of the things that we truly desire to do in the Christian life, many of us, we want to trust the Lord. But to trust the Lord, you have to acknowledge the Lord. And sometimes we don't want to do that. We don't want to acknowledge all that God wants us to do or all that the will of God is for our lives or all that Scripture has to say about the Christian life and how we ought to conduct ourselves. Well, we want to trust the Lord that everything's going to be okay, that that, that our lives and the trials we have and the troubles we have, that everything's going to work out. But if you're not feeding the Spirit... And how do you feed the Spirit? You get into the Word of God and you give yourself to the reading of the Word of God and to prayer and really allow yourself to see all that God has for you. If you're not feeding the Spirit, but you're feeding the flesh, then every single day you're going to wrestle. Every single day you're going to wrestle. Matter of fact, not just every single day, but moment after moment you're going to wrestle because you're going to feed something. As you think about that, not only are you going to feed something, but you're going to feed on something. You know, one of the things I remember at my ordination council, and uh, I remember there was a, a time whenever we sat in that room and we had to answer all those questions and they just would ask question after question after question. And, and you're sitting there and you're thinking, I hope I say this right. I hope I understand this right. I hope this is what, it's, what, what the, the answer they're looking for. And uh, got through the ordination council and as we were in the, the service, at the end of the service, the, all of the, the preachers and their wives were walking by. And some of them, even after the service and even before the service, were just kind of pulling some of us aside and talking to us for a few minutes. And I remember in that time, there were a couple of, of men, and one of them being Brother Dalton. Many of you know Brother Dalton, but many of uh, those men would walk by, and as they were talking to us, they'd pull us aside and say things that would just encourage us, just a little bit of advice, outside of just all, everything we'd already talked about. And I remember many of them talking about making sure that we, we give ourselves to the Word of God. 
Because you're going to be given to something. You're going to feed on something. You're going to, you're going to listen to something. And, and not only that, I remember one preacher who is now with Beam's ministry. It's a Bible ministry. And he, he pulled me to the side and he was just kind of sharing some advice. And I asked him, he was at this time, he was working with Beams. I said, do you ever miss pastoring? He said, you know, there are days when I do. He said, you would think, oh, he misses the, the, the organization side of it or the, the, the conducting side of it or the administration side of it or even the preaching side. He said, you know, I get opportunities to preach and all those things. He said, the thing that I miss is the people, the people. And uh, as we were talking about that, he began to talk and elaborate a little bit. But I remember as he was sharing some advice, he said, make sure you surround yourself by the right kind of people. Why is that? Because you're going to listen to certain things. You're going to hear things. You know, I was talking, I believe it was Brother John just a couple of days ago or maybe a couple of weeks ago. Everything's running together these last couple of months. And uh, I said, you know, I, I don't, it might not even be Brother John. It might have been someone else. Who knows? But I said, I don't like to be around negative people. As a matter of fact, I don't pay attention to negative people. Because negative people have no intentions of, of fixing the problem. You ever notice that? You ever been around negative people and the only thing that they want to, to, to talk about is all of the things that are going wrong? And then you say, well, what are we going to do about it? They say, I don't know. Well, I like to be around people who figure out what's the solution to all of this. Well, can I share with you, when you come to the Word of God, you'll find that all of the problems of life and all of the issues that we are facing, the solutions are found right here. Now, the solutions are not always directly figured out right here, but oftentimes we find that those solutions are very simply sometimes just resting in the Lord, waiting patient in the Lord. Action sometimes is, an, is something that we find to be a solution. And one of the things in verse number 6 of Proverbs chapter number 3, verse number 6, in all thy ways acknowledge him. Now, I want to ask you this. You can go ahead and turn over to Matthew chapter number 14 as we make our way there. As you ask yourself this, I ask you, and I want you to answer it honestly. Don't raise your hand or don't, don't shout anything out. But let me ask you this seriously. When was the last time you truly acknowledged the Lord? You know, it's easy. You say, well, I woke up and I read my Bible today. You can read your Bible without acknowledging God. You say, well, I spent some time in prayer today. You can, you can spend a lot of time in prayer without acknowledging the Lord. How many times I've been guilty of this where I go to the Lord in prayer and I never once acknowledge Him, but I acknowledge all of the things I want from Him. All of the things that I need Him to fix, but I'm not acknowledging Him. I'm just acknowledging all of the problems and all of the things and all of the, the, the things that I want from Him. And as you come to Matthew chapter number 14, one of the things that is a, a game changer, if you were, one of the things that stands out is that, yes, Peter is on the water, he's, a, he's, he's sailing across, and he's with the disciples, and as they see the storm, they see all of those things. And as you come to this portion of Scripture, notice what the Bible says right here. Verse number 28, it says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou. What's he doing right there? He's acknowledging the Lord. Now listen, sometimes when we read this, we just assume that all of a sudden the storm starts after all of this. The storm was going on. And as you see, there are storms in our own lives. And how many times in our, as a testimony of all of our lives where we've been going through a storm, we've been sitting in services, we've been waking up and opening the Word of God, and we even acknowledge the Lord even in the midst of the storm. You've been there before when you were in the midst of a storm and you chose to acknowledge the Lord. Or you were sitting there and the preacher was preaching and you began to look to the Lord and you said, Lord, I need you right now. You were acknowledging the Lord. And as that time goes by, we become a little weary sometimes. Even in the midst of the storm, we begin to take our eyes off the Lord just like Peter did. 
You see, in this portion of Scripture, in Matthew chapter number 14, Peter here is making a decision that many times we fail to make, and that is to acknowledge the Lord. You want to be someone who stands out in the Christian life, not because of who you are, but because of who he is? Acknowledge the Lord. Put him first and put him in the forefront. Put him in the center. As you come to this portion of Scripture and we see last week we addressed this, this storm that is on the water. We're not going to rehash all of that, but I do want to address it for just a few moments. It spoke of those trials, and some of you may have been in a trial last week. You may be in a trial this week, and you're saying, man, the storms of life, the trials of life, and they just begin to, to weigh on you. And you think about those, those individuals on that boat, and as they were coming across, and that storm is going, and I illustrated as, as Jared was sitting there, and the storm just continued. It didn't stop. You see, trials, don't, they're not partial just to certain individuals. And for just a moment, pausing here, sometimes if we're not careful, and I, you know, I told uh, my wife just yesterday, and, and, or maybe it was two days ago, and I told Brother John, I'm going to be taking a social media fast, so if you tag me in something I don't like it, don't get offended, okay? I'm just getting away from social media for, for a little while. I'll post on our Facebook group because I have to do those things and make sure that those types of things are taken care of. But as far as looking at everything else, I'm just going away from it for a while. Here's why. Not for me necessarily, but here's why you ought to consider that. If we're not careful, we begin to look at everyone else's life. We say, oh man, they never go through any trials. They never face any difficulties. Man, their, their life just looks, it just looks glorious and wonderful. Can I share with you, every single one of us in this room has trials. Every one of us faces hard days. Every one of us goes through things. Every one of us has those times whenever it feels as though the trials of life just continue to, to just rain on us, if you would. The difference in sometimes is some will share more than others. And as you begin to realize that personalities are different, sometimes there are some people who are so private that you would never know anything that they're going through. Why? Because they're so private. And then there are some that are super public, and so you'll know everything that's going on. People are different. And the trials of life, sometimes it just feels as though it's continuing to hit on us, those trying times. As you begin in Mark chapter number 6, we addressed this last week, it says, And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. And talking about those trying times, and we ask this question, what would it take to break you? What would it take for you just to throw in the towel and say, I'm done moving forward? I remember one of the things that, that uh, we used to do, we were just talking about exercise, me and Braxton, for just a few moments because he wanted me to punch him. And so I did. He said, man, you really went out. I said, yeah, you told me to punch you. We were talking about exercise, and this had come to mind. One of the things that we used to do, and some of you might have done this, you ever done some exercise to failure? I know a lot of bodybuilders do. You do. You just, you just keep going. We used to do curls, and we would, we, the way we would do it is it was a pyramid. You'd start at like 10 pounds and go as high as you could, and you do as many as you could, and then you work all the way down. And all of a sudden, you, when you come back to that 10-pounder, uh, the first time you did 10 pounds, you might have did 80 reps. The next time you get to that 10, you're doing like six reps, and it feels like they're 45 pounds. Those trying times sometimes, it feels like that. It feels like the weight is so heavy, and because it, it, we're taking it into our own hands. You think about certain things like that in our eyes. What would it take to break you? As I begin to think about the, that, that exercise, there were certain times whenever it didn't take much to break me. What would it take to break you in the Christian life? 
And the final thing we looked at in this portion of Scripture is we began to, to really lay that foundation. Notice with me what the Bible says here, verse number 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side. While he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Notice with me four things this evening as we jump right into it, because I believe in this portion of Scripture we see a man who stands out. He just stood out. He, he wanted more, and I don't know about you in the Christian life, but I want more. I want to, to take things to the next level. I want to, to see what God could do in our church and do things in a more effective way and, and reach this community and reach more people. Number one, notice with me, if you would, in this portion of Scripture, we see that more was desired. Number one, more was desired. You see, Peter was going to stand out because he wasn't just going to sit in the boat like the rest of them. He, was, he, he might have been different. People might have called him crazy, but he was wanting to do more. I remember a couple of years ago, we were uh, about to do the 50,000 campaign. Some of you remember that 50,000 campaign, and we've talked about doing it again in the near future. And we were planning to do the 50,000 campaign. And I remember talking to, to some individuals and talking to some of my friends and even my brother-in-laws, and we were laughing about it. And, and, and uh, you know, certain people would, would joke with me and say, no, you're not going to pick 10,000. You're not even going to pick 5,000 or 15,000. You're just going to jump right over to 50,000. I said, we can do it. Now, we didn't do it. But I, we got, we got uh, uh, three-fifths of the way. I mean, we just, I mean, you, you remember in the entire month of August, we just were out on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays. The only day we weren't was Sunday. And we just were plugging along, plugging along, plugging along. And we were trying to do something more. Trying to reach our community. And as I began to think about this portion of Scripture, you think about Peter, and Peter wasn't just going to sit back and just watch what was taking place. No, he said... Jesus, if that's you, I want to be over there. Jesus, if, if that's you, I, I want to be where you're at. And I don't know about you right this very moment, but wherever the Lord is working, that's where I want to be. I want to be not only where it is, but I want to be right in the midst of it. And as you begin to think about this portion of Scripture, notice what it says right here in verse number 24. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves. For the wind was contrary, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walk in the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. I want you to notice that statement right there. Lord, if it be thou, bid me. I want you to notice with me, number one, Peter's passion concerning this more that he desired. Peter's passion. Peter, all throughout the Word of God, was a very passionate person. 
In one moment, Peter's saying, Lord, I'll die for you. The next minute, minute he's, he, he's denying the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes and he weeps. And you begin to think about Peter even just a couple of weeks ago as we were in the book of Acts and Peter addressing Peter. Peter was a passionate person. He wasn't someone that was kind of laid back. Peter was right out in the forefront. He was going to say what he needed to say or what he thought he should say. And that's just who Peter was. He was a very passionate person. In this portion of Scripture, we begin to see his passion as he says, Lord, if it be thou, bid me. Notice that statement, bid me come. His passion is right there, bid me come. And notice here for just a moment, Peter is in in the moment right here, he's not even thinking about the rest of the people. Can I I illustrate it? Peter, Peter, he he sees the Lord, He, he says, forget these guys. Lord, if you're over there, Lord, I want to be with you. He's not even thinking about them. He's thinking about himself. He says, Lord, if, if you're right there, I want to be with you. You see his passion in this moment. Bid me come. You see also in this statement right here, because in verse number 26, they're troubled here. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Just, just last evening, we were in bed. I mean, it was like 2.30 in the morning. And uh, a couple of months, probably three or four, uh, three months ago, I had hung um, some shelving and some racks in our closet. And uh, I was just sure I hit a stud. At least two of them. And uh, I'm shocked that thing stayed up. It stayed up. I told, I was thinking this today, I didn't even tell Miss Kelly this, but I was thinking she's just got too many clothes on the thing. There's too many clothes. Any, any husbands think your wives just have too many clothes? I guess we'll park right there for a few moments and have intervention, all right? But in the middle of the night, we're, we're out. And you know that whole thing just I mean, it's not just like a four-foot I mean, it's like eight feet, I think. And that thing just crashes. And I'm out. And I'm in a deep sleep at this point. You know those deep sleeps whenever you're sleeping and you're face on the pillow and you can feel the drool coming off the pillow with you. I mean, deep sleep. And I pop up. Kelly pops up. She, she's, you know, panicking. What, what was it? And I jump out of bed like I'm going to do something. Like someone broke in the house and I'm going to do something. I jump out of bed. And I stop for this moment. I said, I walk over to the closet. You see, the small one had already fallen because I knew it was a matter of time. The small one had just fallen earlier that day. So I was like, well... Guess I'm gonna have to fix these all, but I didn't have the time and wasn't gonna fool with it. And so, I, 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 for a second, I jump out of bed. I'm thinking. So I go over to the closet, open the closet, flip the light on. Sure enough, so I just climb back in bed. I just, I mean, ill, having to fool with this eight foot, you know, and four footer, and having to fix all of that. But I jumped out of bed thinking, oh, I'm gonna do something. And as you begin to think about that, that that panic that sets in, and you know that. I mean, for about. Three seconds, I mean, I thought someone had broke in the house. And I was going to have to do something. Your heart's racing. You try to get back in bed and you're, all right, it's just, stuff just fell. You can go back to sleep. No one's in the house. But you know that, I mean, your heart is pumping. Notice with me here for just a moment. Verse number 26, I mean, imagine what's going on here. I don't know about you, but if I thought I saw a ghost, I, my heart would be racing. And when the disciples saw him walking the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. Straightway, Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. You see, you don't only see Peter's passion, but you see the presence of Christ here. And I don't know about you and your personal life, but one of the things that I enjoy thinking about was those these moments whenever I just get to spend with the Lord. Jesus, is he makes all the difference in the world. 
The presence of the Lord is something that is so sweet as you spend that alone time with the Lord and you get alone with the Lord in the Word of God and you get alone with the Lord in your own house, maybe as you're driving in your car or maybe even at the house of God with your church family, the presence of Christ is just something so sweet. You think about certain places whenever you're either in the, in the presence of, of church people or you're walking into church services or you're walking in and you're sitting in services and you think, man, that was a spirit-led church service. The presence of the Lord makes all the difference. As you think about this statement, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Those are comforting words. And I don't know about you, but there are times in my own life whenever I want to do more and I think, oh man, have I gotten myself into to more than I can actually do? And the Lord says, oh, just rest in me. Keep going. Keep going. The presence of Jesus here. And then notice with me, if you would, the plea of Peter. As you think about Peter's plea here, he says, Lord, if it be thou. Bid me come unto thee on the water. Now, in our, in our thinking, we would, if we think we see a spirit and the Lord says, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid, what would we say? Prove it. Say something. Right? If we, if we see him on the water, we're not going to say, hey, I want to come out on the water with you. No, we're going to say, prove it. Say something. Peter, he just jumps past the saying something and says, Lord, let me come out there with you. Let me come out there with you. You see, that's something that stands out. I don't know about you, but in, in 2022, the world needs some Christians who are going to stand out. Who are going to be different and be okay with being different. Who are going to say, hey, I don't want to just talk about it, I want to do something about it. That's what the world needs. Some Christians who want more in their life for the Lord. And I believe Peter illustrates this. Notice with me, number two, a move was demanded. We're living in a world today where, as you begin to think about certain things that we're seeing right before our eyes, there are a lot of Christians who are very, and we've talked about it, our lip service Christians. Notice what takes place here. Verse number 28, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Verse 29, And he said, Come. I think about, you know, there are times whenever we go on vacation in Jackson and Holly and we'll be about to, to you know, swim. And we used to have a dock. And I remember you think about the little kids and you're trying to get them to take that first step. And, you, you, you know, they're, they're all about it when they're in the house. You know, I'll do this and I'll do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do a front flip off the dock. And I'm going to do all these things and you get out there. And what is it? It's, you know, they can't get their feet to go. And I imagine, I don't know about you, but in this situation, Peter is saying right here, he says, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. I don't know if he was expecting the, okay, come. And sometimes that's how we live the Christian life. We, we ask the Lord to use us, and the Lord says, okay. We say, whoa, whoa I didn't think you were going to take me serious. I, I didn't realize it was going to be right now. I didn't realize it was going to be so soon. Lord, I, I want you to use me, but I was thinking, you know, it was going to be something that we prayed about together and then be down the road. Lord says, no, if you're serious, I, I, want, I, want to, I want to use you now. Let's do something. Lord, bid me come onto the water. Okay, come now. And what's Peter do? The Bible says right here, and when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. A move was demanded. The Bible says much about this. You know, there, you think about in the book of James, Verse 22 through 25 of James chapter 1, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. 
For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. And for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. The Bible says in Colossians 3.23, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Do something. And Peter said, Lord, I want to, to come out of, of this boat. The Lord says, come. The only thing that Peter had to do was put forth some action. And we've all been here. We've all been in the church services where we were really stirred up. Man, the, the preaching of the Word of God really got us stirred up. The passage really got us stirred up. And you begin to think about that. And you were sitting there and you were saying, I'm going to do something for the Lord. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to give more time to this. And I'm not going to give any more time to this. I'm going to do more. I'm going to be serious about these things. Only for us to talk about it and really talk it up in our heads. And the next day to come and nothing changes. Nothing changes. And I don't know about you. I don't know if you've gotten to that place, but I remember getting to that place. I remember whenever I was first called to preach, and some of you preachers will, will know a little bit about this, but there would be times whenever, you know, my, my messages were very far and few between, or few and far between, however that statement is. You know, every couple of months or even every couple of, of weeks or whatever the case might have been, and, and, and lying in bed, and I still do this sometimes to a degree whenever I'm trying to really run through things, whenever it's you know a little bit more, uh, maybe a new passage that I'm preaching through or something like that, but growing uh, in my preaching, I remember when I first started preaching, and this was something that used to discourage me, because I listened to so many preachers. I, I mean, I would listen to Dr. Kenny Baldwin, I listened to Brother Scott Pauly, and I listened to my pastor, and I listened to all these preachers, and I, I remember listening to all of them, and I was thinking, man, they just got so much zeal. And you know this, you're sitting in your bed and, I mean, you're preaching hard. I mean, you're laying in your bed and you're running through everything and you're thinking, man, if I preach like that, the whole world would get saved. I mean, you, you're really thinking you're preaching hard. You, you know what I'm talking about. You boys know what I'm talking about. I mean, you're laying in bed and you're, I mean, you're, you're thinking, man, I, I need to deliver it this way and this way and this way. And then what happens? I remember I, I'd get up in the pulpit. And I'd be preaching through this passage and thinking, man, I, I've got to deliver it this way. I'd get up and I'd, be real scared. And I walk away discouraged and thinking, I missed it. I missed that opportunity. I missed that opportunity to, to really to, to preach. Sometimes in our own Christian lives, we do the exact same thing. We lay in bed and we talk these things in our head and we, we wrestle with it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. Lord, you're, you're dealing with me on this. And Lord, I'm going to surrender this. I'm going to do this. And nothing changes. I remember being in college, and, and I had been really battling. You know, I went to college and had already surrendered to the Lord all of that about sports and basketball, and he had given me the opportunity to play in college. And I remember my freshman year. And I thought I should have been starting, and, and I wasn't starting. And, and I remember getting so frustrated with it, and I went back to my dorm room that one night, and the Lord began to deal with me in Matthew chapter number 6, verses 24 on down. Verse 20 on down, actually. And it would eventually become my life passage for a little while because I was laying up treasures that really had no value. And I remember sitting in that dorm room and I was so frustrated and I began to really do some serious thinking and consideration. 
And it was in that evening, sitting in my dorm room, where the Lord began to get my attention and said, how long are you going to sit there and you're going to talk a big game? I've told you about the story whenever my, my brother, who is now a state trooper, and I joked with him a couple years ago about that because this story, I remember we had gotten off the school bus and my brother was always the talker. He was always the one who was just doing all the talking as far as to, to other people. He just he was hot-tempered as a kid. And, you know, I was the one who was the instigator. How many of you are the instigator in here? Oh, come on. Okay, I was about to say, we got a couple of instigators in here. I was the instigator. He was the hot-tempered one. And I remember this one specific time we had gotten off the school bus and him and another guy had been getting into it. And finally, me and a couple of others just said, just, y'all just quit. Y'all are annoying us. Just quit. You go your way, and he goes this way. And my brother, as we were walking away, turns around and runs to the guy, hits the guy like this, mind you. He doesn't punch like he's supposed to. He hits the guy like this and then bolts off to our, our uh, apartment complex. And I'm thinking, what in the world? You know what? Go get him. He deserves to get beat up. You know, I'm thinking, what in the world? But in the Christian life sometimes, it's, that's how we live. We're so bold. And the Lord says, okay, it's time to do some serious business. Lord, I, I didn't know you were serious. You just said you wanted to do something. Yeah, but I, I didn't know you were going to take me serious about that. Peter, in this portion of Scripture, one word, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, this is where it kind of gets to where it's a little more personalized for us because many of us, we struggle with the getting out of the ship. We do. We struggle with the very simply just being comforted. Many times we, we don't even acknowledge when the Holy Spirit is trying to comfort us and we say it can't be true. No, the Lord's not comforted. No, they're comforted right here. And Peter says, if it be, thou bid me. Notice with me, number three, we see the distracted mind. In verse number 30, the Bible says, But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. You know, when I first read this, Brother John and I were talking about this passage last week, and those three words, Lord, save me, it's so simple, isn't it? So simple. But notice the very next thing that takes place. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand immediately. You see this distracted mind right here. Peter, as he steps out of the bow, he begins to shift his focus onto the Lord, but then soon after that, he begins to look at the storm and his focus is beginning to shift to other things. And how many times in our own lives as Christians, sometimes we're trying to do something for the Lord and we give too much credit to the devil. Matter of fact, we quit so easily because we just assume that it's the devil. Can I share with you Press on. How many, how many you've seen the illustration of the, 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 the person that's digging and it shows someone underneath and the person that was digging just turned around and they were right there? How many times would we have seen God break through if we'd have just continued praying? If we continue serving? If we continue going? But Peter here in this portion of Scripture, his mind begins to become distracted. He begins to pay attention to the storms of life and begins to pay attention to everything that is going on. Some of you might be knocked down this evening. And it's because you're paying attention to all the storms and all the winds and all the problems in front of you instead of just very simply lifting up your eyes and looking unto Jesus. In our own Christian lives, sometimes we all struggle with this, but if we're not careful, we focus too much on all of the problems and all the negativity. And we begin to let it defeat us. 
We don't live a, a, a life that is conquering because we're already defeated because the littlest of things or even the biggest of things that we don't give to the Lord, we let them take us down. And this is exactly what took place right here because notice in verse number 30, but when he saw the wind, that means that word saw means he looked on. It means he looked to. The wind was boisterous. He was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried saying, Lord, save me. Now, I want you to understand this for just a moment, because some of you are going to take some steps of faith. And this is where you conquer that stepping out on the water. When you step out by faith, when it comes to this portion of Scripture, in verse number 30, this is where we truly relate. Because in verse number 30, it says, when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. He was doing something he'd never done before. If you'd have thrown Peter out there and said, hey, go fishing all day, he'd have done it just like that. He'd have done it with, even if there were problems, he'd have known what to do and how to do it. And some of you are going to take some steps of faith and you're going to say, Lord, I want to take this step of faith and I'm going to trust you in this. And there's going to be some times when it's just not easy. Can I share with you, that's okay to be afraid. Rest in the Lord. You know, fear is something that if we're not careful, we we naturally are going to, to just say, I don't know, you're going to be nervous about some things. You're going to be unsure about some things. But it's in those times whenever the Lord has drawn you out of your comfort zone to take a step of faith where you take a step back and you look at it and say, hey, I'm not going to quit, Lord. I just need you to give me the grace. I need you to give me the strength. I need you to give me the the help to move forward with all this. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. You see, his mind was distracted. And there are many Christians who live a life that is distracted. I remember sitting in a, a Bible conference. I can't remember where it was. And a preacher, I have this quote in my Bible, he said this, he says, when we don't maintain Christian consistency, catch this now, when we don't maintain Christian consistency, we confuse the watchers. They think we are normal, and then different, and then phony. And how many times have we said one thing, and we've, somebody's been watching and said, man, they said they do this, and they watch us, and then they say, something ain't adding up. You see, they, they, they think that you're normal, and then they think that you're different. But you stand out, and then they think that you're phony. And there are a lot of Christians, even on social media and in our world and even in our churches, that talk a big game. When you actually get around them, you think, oh, they're not normal, they're different. Oh, no, they're not different at all, they're phony. And I wonder tonight, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a Christian that talks a big game and, and people look at me and say, oh, he's different. No, he ain't different at all. He's just a phony. He talks a lot, but he don't do nothing. He don't do nothing about it. His mind was distracted. I wonder this evening if your mind has become distracted. The Bible says when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked in the water to go to Jesus. Notice when the final thing we see this evening will be done, a miracle is demonstrated here. Notice this. This is a miracle. The Bible says in verse number 31, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand. Lord, save me. Three words. This evening, maybe you've come to the house of God and you're sitting there thinking, man, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. And the Lord is sitting there right there, arms stretched out. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 31. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. 
I've read this portion of Scripture probably, I don't even know how many times. And I've always missed, or not placed an emphasis on this until just recently. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 33. No, verse number 32, I'm sorry. Verse number 32, the Bible says, and when they were coming to the ship. When they were coming to the ship. Any of you have that, that child, or maybe you are this person, that whenever you're facing something that you can't overcome, and someone comes to you and says, hey, I can help you, you say, no, I got it. I can do it. Just leave me alone. I'll figure it out. I'll just, just go. I'll, I got it myself. I don't need your help. I wonder how many Christians this evening, Jesus has got an arm stretched out, and we're sitting there saying, no, Lord, I, I got it. I'll figure it out. Oh, I don't need you. I got it. I'll, I'll, I'll get it done. And all the while, the Lord's saying, just grab my hand. Just grab my hand. The Bible says, and when they were come into the ship. You see, I look at this portion of Scripture, and I look at Peter, and I say, man, he stood out. But he stood out in many different ways. He stood out because he had the passion to take a step of faith and do something that no one else had done. But then, whenever failure had set in and he had began to sink, he didn't let pride get in the way. He was humble enough to still reach up to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you. You see, the issue with a lot of Christians is we're too prideful to admit whenever we haven't lived up to what we thought we should be doing. He said, no, I'm, I'm fine. No, you're living in sin. No, I'm, it's, it ain't a big deal. No, it is a big deal. No, I've got this. I don't need anybody's help. No, look, the Lord has put some people in our lives to help us. Our church, as you begin to think about this, and I have gone and, and, and people have come up to us and said, man, look at what God is doing in your church. And I say, yeah, we've got a great church. It's nothing I've done. Matter of fact, it's nothing you have done. It's what the Lord has accomplished through us. It goes back to the statement I was talking to someone just a couple of weeks ago when we had the work day, and I said, many hands make light work. It's a true statement. And a lot can be accomplished whenever God's people get on the same team and get on board. As you think about your own personal life, maybe you've come here and you say, man, I want to stand out. I want to be different. I want to do something great for the Lord. Verse number 31, the very end. What's hindering us? Little faith. Little faith. You ever been, I know I got to a place and I'm closing now. I remember sitting in a church service and I began to think about some of the, the preacher's that I've been able to listen to, and even some of the things that, that they would share stories about their churches, or what God was doing in their churches, or this or that. And I remember I struggled for a long time thinking that, man, it, it was one of those things that there were, there were some preachers that just God had chosen to use, and other ones that God, you know, we were, we were surrendered, but it, we were just going to kind of be there. And I remember thinking about it. I wrestled with that. Thinking, man, I'll never be that. I could never do that. I could never preach like that. I could never pastor like that. I could never do all these things. Until I remember the Lord convicted me and saying, they're not special. They're just yielded. And I remember the Lord convicting me in my own personal life and saying, what are you not yielding to me? And I remember some things that I really had to overcome. And, and I remember there were some insecurities and some things in my own personal life where I said, Lord, I want to, I want to be yielded. Lord, I want to be used, and that means that sometimes you're going to be drawn out of your comfort zone. That means that sometimes you're going to have to step out by faith. That means sometimes you're going to have to do things that you've never done before. 
And I remember the Lord really dealing with me about that. And I remember when I first started pastoring this church and I began to think about who was going to come in. And, and one of the things that I began to, to deal with about my second year pastoring is I, I was saying, you know what, one day I'll have these types of preachers in so our people can. And I remember right then and there, I said, well, why can't, why, do your people not deserve to hear great preaching now? And so, sure enough, the Lord convicted me of that. And so I started calling all of the, the, the men of God who I knew the Lord had used and was using and We've had them in. And I don't know about you, but all of that to say this, I want more. I want to do more. I want to experience more. You know, what we've been able to experience as a church, watching what God, we were just at at, um, Sam's Club today, we were picking up those chairs. Look, I think sometimes some of you might think, oh, he just says he shares these stories, but he really doesn't. Sure enough, we were standing there, and I said, yeah, our church has recently got a a new piece of property. I I went into the story, and she said, that's amazing. And I can't remember what the last words that she said, but something along the lines of, y'all keep getting the good news out there because Clarksville needs it. And what does that mean? That means that we're going to have to do more. That means that the Lord has not just given us this piece of property for us to say, yeah, look what God did. No, the Lord has given us this piece of property to say, look what God is doing. Look what God is going to do. Look what God has intended for our church. And so I don't know about you, but every single time that the opportunity to get out of the boat presents itself, I want to have the faith to do so. I want to do more. I want to experience more. I want more. Could I encourage you this summer to give yourself, yield yourself to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to get out of the boat. I've been doing too much talking, and I need to put forth some action. Get out of the boat. You say, what if I fail? Be humble enough to admit it. Say, Lord, I failed here. Lord, I want you to still use me. Lord, I need you to help me with this. Let the Lord use you. Lord, we do thank you. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy this evening. We thank you for this passage of Scripture and the life of Peter and how you used him. And Lord, I, I don't know about everyone else, but I truly want more. I want to see more. I want to do more. I want to experience more. I want to watch you do more in our church. Lord, we have a lot of things planned and a lot of things that we're praying about and in the works right this very moment. But Lord, it means nothing if we plan it and we don't give it to you. We don't yield it to you and we allow you to really do the desired work that you desire to do. Lord, you don't just desire to work in our church. You desire to work in our lives. And so, Lord, for the ones who are struggling right this very moment to even get out of the boat, I pray that you'd give them the faith that they need to get out of the boat. Lord, for those who have gotten out of the boat, but they're beginning to look at all of the problems and they've lost focus on the main thing, I pray that they look up to you. For the ones who are too prideful to admit that they've gone astray or they've failed in some things, they need to get back on track, I pray that you'd humble them and help them to come back to you. Lord, we need you. I want more. I pray that you'd help us to yield our lives to you, afresh and anew this summer, 2022. Lord, may we do things and may we experience things. May we be given like we've never been given before. Guide us now. Be with this invitation. Draw us unto yourself. Send us out to be used. And we'll thank you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.